The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... there is at least one extraordinary event in the life of each of us. A moment so outstanding, so inexplicable, that it stays with us forever. Timeless, always present. And if this event is properly understood, our lives can change radically. But if the meaning of the moment is lost on us, we are doomed to wander forever, remorselessly, as Cain. Anna, are you there? Yes. I can't see you. Your eyes are tired. No. I know I haven't much longer. Stay with me. Don't go home tonight. Dr. Reynolds has ordered me off duty, Greg. I have to go. You don't understand. This isn't for my sake, Anna. It's for yours. For your life. Mr. Drama, The Pilgrim Soul, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Percy Granger and stars Carol Titel. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Did you know that Goodyear services cars? I didn't know that. Lots of people don't. Say Goodyear, they'll say tires almost every time. Good for them. Yeah, well, how do we tell them Goodyear services cars? Why don't we tell them about the limited warranty? The what? Tell everyone that if you get your car serviced at Goodyear, the service and parts are backed by Goodyear with a warranty good for 90 days or 3,000 miles. Or which? Whichever comes first. Oh. And if the work isn't done right, and you're more than 50 miles from where you got it serviced... You can take your car to any of over 1,500 Goodyear service stores, yeah. and they'll redo it at no charge. Yeah, that's a great deal. Yep. Look, I thought you said you didn't know Goodyear services cars. I didn't. I must have read it somewhere. Well, where would you read that? Probably in my warranty. Oh, yeah. Smooth out your rough-running engine with a tune-up at your Goodyear service store. For just... I had discussed the president's hope to also evacuate tens of thousands of South Vietnamese whose lives might be endangered by a communist takeover... Senator Case said that there was agreement that this could be done only as part of a general agreement that would involve North Vietnam. The Attorney General today described the 50,000 whose lives might be endangered as past and present U.S. government employees, Vietnamese officials whose cooperation is necessary for evacuation of Americans, and those who have, for political reasons, uh, alienated the communists. Yes, and you the hero or heroine of the hour. For less than you think... Your guests can enjoy outstanding luxury in the beautiful Chicago city center, renowned for its award-winning architecture and old-world service. There's an array of delightful banquet and party rooms, from charming hospitality suites to the magnificent Galaxy Ballroom for 800 or more. From drinks and hors d'oeuvres to a seven-course feast, Carl and his staff will make sure everything is just right. All you have to do is enjoy the party and take a few bows. Phone Carl Krupa now at Chicago City Center, 440-4130. Chicago City Center, on Ohio between Michigan and the lake, 440-4130. The dictionary defines a pilgrim as one who travels in alien lands. In a sense... We're all pilgrims, for all of life is a search, 
for security, for comfort, for fame, for love. For some of us, the journey is a longer one than for others. And for the few, it can seem all but impossible. A confusion of desires exists within. The desire for resignation versus the desire for conquest. And trust versus suspicion. And if the confusion reaches too great an intensity, we run the risk of losing our bearings altogether. Her name was Anne Jesperson. Yes. Yes, I remember her. She was one of the most remarkable people I ever met. Ever. You knew her during the war? During the early days of the war. It was here in London, during the Blitz, back in the early 40s. I wasn't even born then. To me, it's just history. Oh, it was a memorable time. Strange things happen when nations collide. The world is forced to improvise for a spell. There was no accounting for anything. No predicting events except, of course, the bombing. We knew the German Air Force would be there when the sun went down. But for the rest, we quickly learned that anything was possible. People we'd known all our lives were blown away in an instant. And others we thought surely must be dead, survived. And um, Anne Jesperson? Yes, well, that's the story, isn't it? Please tell me. I know so little about her. No more than her name, really. Is she dead now? I don't know. She wandered off when I was little. You see, she's just history, too. And I want her to be something more than that. The aching of a hollow heart. As a doctor, I can say that that is the worst of all human maladies. Anne knew that. Did she? Oh, yes. How? Tell me about her. Describe her to me. I was a young doctor then in charge of a hospital on Wareham Road in the East End where most of the heavy bombing was. The day she came to us, we were desperately short of help, you see, and didn't always check everyone out as we should. She said she was from the States and a registered nurse. That's all we thought we needed to know. This is Ward C, Miss Jesperson. They're all servicemen, most wounded at Dunkirk. Miss Jesperson, is something the matter? These poor souls. These poor souls. Well, forgive my asking, but just how much experience have you had as a nurse? I finished my training last month in Wisconsin. I caught the first train to Halifax and the first boat to England. Oh, that's a dangerous crossing nowadays. I wanted to help. Did you come by yourself? Yes. Your parents must be either very worried or very impressed. Yes, they are. Conditions here are not ideal. We're overcrowded and it's not the place for a sensitive person. I'm not sensitive. Oh, Gwen, come here a moment, would you? Yes, Doctor. This is Anne Jesperson, the new nurse. I'm assigning her to your ward. And this is Mrs. Norris. Well, I'm very pleased to... How soon will she be coming to work? Oh, I think I'll start right now, if you want. I think you ought to get settled in first. Do you have a place to stay? No. Do you know anyone in London? No. There's a Miss Carden just up the road about a mile. She has rooms to let. She's a bit daft, but harmless. A friend of my mother's. I'll be back as soon as I've unpacked and changed. There's no need. Tomorrow will be... Well, Mrs. Norris, what do you think? She's frail as a flower. Won't last two days. Pity she made all that trip for nothing. Dr. Reynolds? Oh, of course I'm the one. But 
morning, thank you, Mrs. Carden. Oh, it's Miss Carden, if you please, miss. And I'm proud of it. Whatever. Dr. Reynolds rang up to say he was coming. Would you like some tea? Oh, no, don't bother for me. Oh, no bother. It's the least I can do. You're coming over to help me out like this. Oh, I knew there was a shortage of trained nurses, that's all. Oh, indeed there is. Oh, here's your tea. Uh, you you have rooms to let? Oh, yes, indeed. I feel a bit criminal charging for the bed, though. Why? Gracious, dearie, because of the air raids, don't you know? We're down in the shelters almost every night. Oh, it won't bother me. I can sleep through anything. Oh, you won't want to stay up here, not with the bombs falling. I'll be all right. You'll change your mind soon enough. Come, I'll, I'll show you your room. Your mother soon put Mrs. Norris's prediction to rest. She lasted far longer than two days. What was she like? She was quite serious. Rather like you seem to be. Never smiled. But she had the most extraordinary devotion to her work. She moved about the ward like a guardian angel. The men adored her. In fact, they nicknamed her the guardian angel of Ward C. If she happened to be on duty during an air raid, they rested easier, trusting that somehow we would not be hit. Then my mother... My mother really was a good person. I don't know. Her devotion was almost too fanatic. There was a strange reserve about her. No, something was wrong, very wrong. And then, one day, Mrs. Norris took me aside. Dr. Reynolds, that new girl, what nursing school did you say she went to? It was somewhere in Wisconsin, I believe. Why? I can't imagine what they taught her. She is singularly ignorant of some of the most basic procedures. You mean she's clumsy? Oh, no, no, no. no. She catches on almost immediately, but that's not the point. A girl who's been to nursing school would already know how to do these things. But she is useful, isn't she? Oh, men, look at you. A pretty young girl with a serious look on her face and you're mesmerized. Well, what do you suggest we do? Uh, just something very odd about her. She's either hiding something or she's very disturbed. And it is wartime, and there are spies, and we've nothing to go on but her word about anything. You don't seriously think she's an enemy agent, do you? Well, there's something else. She gets the men to talking. Well, that's splendid. About their units, where they're stationed, how heavy their casualties have been. Oh, I didn't know that. And the look on her face. She seems positively relieved. And the worse the stories are, the more serene she becomes. As if their troubles actually make her happy. What's she doing now? Uh, she's on the ward, reading aloud to the men. Milton's Paradise Lost. And I'm not sure that's the best for their morale. Nonsense. That's one of the most English books ever written. All that talk about gardens. Still, your point's well taken. Really, to be safe, we should call Scotland Yard and we'll see what they can find out about our mysterious Miss Jesperson. <laughs> Have a coat. Good, then I'll lend you one of mine. Come on, hurry. Thank 
thank you, Mrs. Carden, but I'll stay here. You might be killed. You don't have to worry about me. I'll be all right. Oh, why are your drapes open? And your light on? You know that's against the law. Uh, I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking. <sighs> now, come along with me at once. No. Don't argue. We haven't much time. No. You don't know anything. Leave me alone. You don't know anything about anything at all. For the year, seasons return, but not to me returns day, or the sweet approach of even or morn, or sight of vernal bloom or summer's rose, or flocks or herds or human face divine, but cloud instead, and ever during dark surrounds me from the cheerful ways of men cut off. Anne. Yes? Excuse me, but we need to see you in my office for a moment. We? And there's someone here who needs to speak to you. Uh, gentlemen, I'll be back to finish today's portion in a few minutes. Do you really intend to read them all of Paradise Lost? It gives them something to look forward to each day. And a reason to live, waiting for the next installment. I suppose. Who, uh, who wants to see me in your office? Oh, is this the girl? And this is Inspector Parsons from Scotland Yard. Uh, Miss Jesperson, may I see your passport, please? Oh, uh, yes, it's, it's in my purse. Where are you from? Madison, Wisconsin. Where, so you told Dr. Reynolds, you took a degree in nursing at the university? Yes. We've cabled them, Miss Jesperson. They have no record of your ever being enrolled there. Then there's something wrong with their records. Here's my passport. Mm. We've also checked with your state department. They have no record of issuing this passport to well, you. Then they've made a mistake. I don't think so. We're at war, Miss. Our backs are rather to the wall at the moment. And we tend to get nervous about people who crop up in our midst under questionable circumstances. I came over to help people... I want to help people. Mm. You're staying at 37 Wareham Road. Is that right? With Mrs. Carden? Miss Carden, yes. Mm. She's reported that you remain in your room during the air raids. And that on three occasions she's caught you with your light on and the curtains open. Anne, is that true? Yes. But you're making a target of yourself. Either that or signaling information to other agents of the Third Reich. No, is that what you think? I'm told you cut quite a figure around the ward here. I, I don't try to. And you have quite a knack for getting the men to talk about sensitive information. Like unit strengths, casualty lists, and morale. I want you to tell us who you really are, Miss Jesperson. Where you're really from. And what your real purpose is in being here. I... I'm nobody... I'm nobody. People with private preoccupations tend to make us nervous. They move through life with an aura of focused intent. And we never quite know what they're up to. Their motives can be evil or harmless or something altogether unexpected. We'll begin to whittle down the options in the case of Anne Jesperson when I return with Act Two. Long, long ago, the Earth faced the first energy crisis. The loss of its abundant magic. Now read, 
the magic goes away. A stunning new novel of fantasy and imagination by Larry Niven, co-author of the bestseller Lucifer Tanner. The magic goes away. An illustrated novel to delight your eyes and your mind. Find it before the magic goes away. An Ace paperback special. Well, skyfall. A massive satellite circles the Earth. A satellite now wounded and hurtling downward. Mission Control, the core body has not separated. Do something and quicker. This mission's going to end in the biggest fireball you've ever seen. Skyfall, potentially the source of the greatest disaster in human history. Skyfall, the sensational new novel of catastrophe that just might happen tomorrow. Skyfall, and East Paperback. to 52 cities from Chicago every day. And to the people of Eastern, every flight is an opportunity to do a little more for you. So you'll want to fly with us again and again. that's the best for their morale. Nonsense. That's one of the most English books ever written. All that talk about gardens. Still, your point's well taken. Really, to be safe, we should call Scotland Yard and we'll see what they can find out about our mysterious Miss Jesperson. Of might await us. Few people choose suicide. But many of us do try some lesser form of escape. Is this what the strangely quiet and intense Anne Jesperson has done? She had been nicknamed the guardian angel of Ward C, but who is she really? At the end of the last act, we heard her blurt out. I'm nobody. Anne, what do you mean? Anne, Annie, Anya, what does it matter what I'm called, what anyone is called? We might as well all be numbered. Who gives us names anyway? Generally, our parents do, Miss Jesperson. I have no parents. I was raised in an orphanage. Well, now we're getting somewhere. And what is your interest in the information you glean from those men out there? Their suffering eases my own. Inspector, would you excuse us for a moment? I'd like to speak to Anne in private. I'm afraid without the proper papers, the Home Office will have to institute deportation proceedings. Please, Doctor, don't let him talk that way. I can't stand language like that. It's dead. It's the talk of dead people. It's the way they talked in the orphanage. If I vouch, if I personally vouch for the girl... What do you know about her? No more than you do. But I do know we need her here in the hospital. I am sorry, but contrary to popular belief, regulations are not made to be broken. Those men out there have fought for England's freedom, and she is a great comfort to them. Uh, what's that book you've got in your hands? Paradise Lost. She's reading it to the men. Oh? Why? I don't know. The words are beautiful. 
I think they know it's absurd to listen to poetry in the middle of a war. But they listen because they want to take something with them. They, they, they want to hear those words in case... In, in case they don't... I, I just want to lose myself in work, Inspector, that's all. <laughs> all right, Doctor. I'll put her in your custody pending further investigation. But she's your responsibility. Thank you, Inspector. Can I go back to work now? Anne, do you really not go down into the shelter during air raids? That's right. Why? I'm tired when I get home. I need my rest. Why do you leave your light on? I... I don't know. I forget. Do you want to die? No. Why did you come here, Anne? In the newspapers at home, they described the bombs... The fires. They showed pictures. And that drew you here? Yes. You have no one back home? No. You must have had friends. No one ever taught me how to make friends. You have friends here. It doesn't make sense, Anne. How can you be so devoted to those men out there and care so little for yourself? You go home each night and wait for the bombs to fall. Thank you for your offer to sponsor me, Dr. Reynolds. I think it would be better if I just go. Go where? It doesn't matter. How? You have no passport. Passports are for people with identities. Why are you afraid, Anne? What are you afraid of? Attachment? But you give so much of yourself to those men. No, I don't give anything of myself. I have nothing to give. I simply work hard, that's all. It's easy to do if you don't let yourself become emotionally involved. But what sustains you? Their suffering, it's familiar to me. It comforts me. And what would you do if someone fell in love with you? I can't think of anything more terrifying. To have children and abandon them the way I was abandoned. You said you were orphaned. My parents left me at a neighbor's one day and disappeared. The neighbor took me to the orphanage. I wasn't adopted because I was too old. I wasn't cute anymore. But that doesn't mean that because it was done to you, you'd do it too. And there is a deep compassion in your soul. Don't you see that? Dr. Reynolds. Yes, Mrs. Norris. We just got a call from Harwich. The harbor's been attacked. A trainload of badly wounded is on its way here. They'll arrive within the hour. Call in all staff, will you? Yes, sir. Anne, we'll need you too. Will you stay? If I can work. If that's all you'll ask of me. Will you start going down with Mrs. Carden to the shelter at night? I don't know. Did she go down to the shelters after that? No. I think part of her wanted to, but when it came time, she couldn't rouse herself from her bed. She was too tired. But how could she... She lavished such devotion on those men. Only in order to exhaust herself. But she did want to find someone she could make a commitment to. I was sure of that. They say that children reared without love never fully develop emotionally. They lack a faith in themselves and in others. And the worst thing is that if they're not careful, they make the same mistakes and pass the same fears onto their children. You think my mother wanted to love someone? I know she did. I saw it happen. His name was Greg Davis. He was a young flyer, an American. Oh, 
I didn't know America was in the war then. They were. He'd gone to Canada during the RAF. She never mentioned Greg to you? No. She she never mentioned much of anything. Oh. Well, maybe it's understandable. It was an extraordinary incident. Perhaps the most extraordinary one I witnessed during the whole war. What happened? You have to understand that Greg was a remarkable person in his own right. He was an ace, had 30 kills to his credit, handsome, romantic, and a lively sense of humor. The opposite of mother. Yes. He'd been shot down over France. The underground had managed to smuggle him out, but his injuries were serious. Even in his weakened condition, though, he cut a dashing figure. And from the moment their eyes met when he was brought into the ward, he and Anna began to have an effect on each other. Anna? Yes. That's how she introduced herself to him. Why? Oh, I think she wanted to be different for him. Someone new, especially to herself. To to start over again? He cut right through her reserve. And she did begin to change. Anna? Oh, Anna? Yes? What you got on for tonight, kid? I was thinking of walking to Scotland and back. Now skip that. Let's go dancing. All right. Where? This is your town, not mine. You pick a spot. The musical? Nah, they look down your nose at you if you come in in the hospital bed. If it's not a crowded night, they don't mind. Serious question, kid. How come you never smile? Smiling's overrated. Sit down. I've got other patients to see. Why do you think patients are called patients? Because they're used to waiting. Now sit down. I spent half of last night making up this true story. And the least you can do is take a minute to laugh at it, okay? Mm. Good. Now, there's this old character in the East End, see? Never pays any attention to the air raid sirens because he's up on the sixth floor and can't be bothered going up and down all those stairs. So, of course, one night, the Luftwaffe scores a direct hit on his building. Nothing left but a bit of the superstructure. Well, the firemen are there, and from way up above them, through the smoke, they hear his voice. When the smoke clears, there's the old guy, six stories up, standing on a bit of flooring, mad as a hatter. <laughs> what happened, he yelled. I was in here, and when I went to pull the chain, the whole side of the building fell away. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're laughing. See, that's not the heart. Oh, 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 are you all right? I'm, I'm fine. Well, you shouldn't have told that story. See, you got too excited. Are you kidding? It was worth it. Anna, before I become delirious and I'm no longer responsible for what I say, I want to tell you, I think you're great stuff. Don't talk like that. I'm just a nurse and you are not going to... Go ahead, say it. We both know my chances aren't all that hot. I've got to finish my rounds. Wait, don't go yet. What's the matter? Every time I get personal, you clam up. Please, let me go. If I recover, can we go dancing for real? And then what? What? Whoa, you're faster than I thought. I mean it. And then what? I don't know. Anything's possible, Anna. You don't believe that, do you? You don't have any faith in me, in yourself, in anyone. But I listen to you read, and I know there's something beautiful inside you. A flame trapped beneath all the layers of... of... Life... Life can't just be reading poetry. Why not? When you are old and gray and full of sleep, 
take down this book and think of the soft look your eyes had once and of their moments deep. How many loved your moments of glad grace and loved them with a love false or true. But one man loved the pilgrim soul in you and loved the sorrows of your changing face. That's not very flattering. Talking about being old and gray. Under the circumstances, I'd say it shows a certain optimism. What's the matter? Your sense of humor is so morbid sometimes. Anna, I don't have anyone else either. Not really. How do you know what? It's it's not hard to tell. I, I, I know I'm living on borrowed time. But all I look forward to is seeing you each day. Anna, don't go. Don't keep running away. Come back. Notice. How's everything? Uh, we're running low on all our supplies again. It's endless. Oh, no, not again tonight. Won't it ever stop? Do you know how much I worry that sunlight they'll score a direct hit on this hospital? Now, now, none of that. We need a charmed existence. Good evening, Anne. Hello, Doctor. Uh, Nurse Norris, I'm going off now. They're sounding the alert, Anne. Don't you hear? It doesn't matter. No, it does matter. I want you to stay downstairs in the shelter here until they all clear sounds, and that's an order. All right. All right. Well, that's a switch. Thank goodness you've finally got some sense. There's no point in taking chances. I'm very glad to hear you say that, Anne. Excuse me. Uh, Doctor, I need to ask you something. That American pilot, Greg Davis, what are his chances? Of survival? Please, tell me the truth. He's got serious internal bleeding and some infection has set in. If it doesn't reach his lungs, I'd say his chances are at least 50-50. Oh. But they were less than that when he arrived. And every day he lives, his chances improve. Anne, where are you going? Home. You can't go out there now. The race has started. It's all right, Dr. Reynolds. It doesn't matter. she was still the same. But the torment she suffered as a result of her childhood was coming to the surface. All she needed was a sign, some demonstration that people really can care for one another. But nothing changes, Doctor. Nothing ever really changes. That would take a miracle. Yes. And that's just what happened. A miracle. Is it true that nothing ever changes? A quick glance at the history of the world would seem to dispel such a notion. But although our story takes place against the backdrop of one of the most dramatic and tragic episodes of recent history, the events we are dealing with are of a less panoramic nature, for they are internal, the elusive gestures of the psyche, the dark history of an individual soul. I'll return in a moment with our final act. I'm chewing gum again. It's wonderful. For years I couldn't because gum stuck to my dental work. But now there's free dent gum. It doesn't stick. So I can enjoy all the pleasures of chewing gum again. The delicious flavor, fresh, clean breath, and refreshing taste. All that's possible again with free dent gum from Wrigley's. Comes in peppermint and spearmint. You'll love it. 
Feel free that you're free dance. It won't stick to most that'll work. Free dance gum. When I have a sore throat, I don't feel like myself. My throat feels raw and irritated. That's when I use chloroseptic. Chloroseptic helps me feel better because it helps block the pain of a sore throat. So when you get a sore throat, don't let it slow you down. Get relief with chloroseptic and feel like yourself again, fast. Chloroseptic spray or lozenges for temporary relief of minor sore throat pain. Use only as directed. Let Metronet turn your car into a branch office. Metronet is a new kind of mobile communication system designed to increase the effectiveness and productivity of higher-level management and professional people. Your car becomes a conference room, information center, and command post. It keeps you in close touch with your office and business associates anywhere. You talk in complete privacy when you open a channel. It's all yours. Your conversation cannot be heard by others in the system. Metronet can increase your productivity. Lawyers, real estate salespeople... (laughs) No matter what your line, Metronet saves. It saves you time and money every business day. Yet, it's surprisingly inexpensive for such complete communications capabilities. Metronet equipment can be leased or purchased outright and is fully tax deductible. Hey, you're laughing. (laughs) See, that's not the... (laughs) Oh, oh, are you all right? I'm fine. In wartime, most of the focus is on the battlefield. It is easy to overlook the fact that war can put a terrible strain on the fragile web of a relationship between two people. With bombs falling on all sides, who's to say what expressions are sincere and which self-serving? In the shadow of death, how do we separate the honest from the merely sentimental? Caution would be advisable if only our needs weren't so great. The young pilot continued his struggle for life. It soon became evident to everyone in the ward that it was his feelings for your mother which were keeping him going. And mother? She loved him. Very cautious and very attentive. But there were certain unmistakable signs. For one thing, she began to stay at the hospital around the clock. She became afraid to leave lest something should happen to Greg. Anna? How are you feeling tonight, Greg? Better. For the first time since they dragged me in here, I think I might just make it. Hey, what's the matter? Mm, I was just thinking, when you've recovered, is everything going to change? You're afraid I'll take back everything I've said. I won't, Anna. I promise. You're tired. You want to go home and get a decent night's sleep. I'm all right. Don't worry about me. That's your favorite phrase. But I do worry about you, no matter how much you try to stop me. I wish there was something I could do to give you faith in me, in other people, once and for all. Oh, here comes Nurse Norris. Anna? Dr. Reynolds and I would like to see you for a moment. Is something the matter? We think you ought to go home for a few hours. No, really, I'm all right. You're exhausted now. Come along. All right, just one more minute. Of course. I'm sorry, Greg. No, good for Mrs. Norris. You go on now. Go quickly. And listen, when you come in tomorrow... I want you to help me sit up, okay? I'm going nuts lying flat on my back. 
and rest. I know. I'm so tired. I hate for the patients to see me like this. Now, there's a storm in the channel, so there won't be any raids tonight. You'll be able to get a sound night's sleep. Thank you. You're very kind to me, both of you. Go on now. Will you look in on Greg? Of course. I... I have this feeling I'm never going to see him. Are all feelings this awful? No. You'll feel better in the morning. Now, go on, dear. You won't be any good to us if you come back all bleary-eyed. I know. But please, if anything happens to Greg, call me, will you? Yes. Good night. Good night. You know the entire ward is watching those two. You'd think they all had a stake in the outcome. Well, in a way, they do. I think to those boys out there, what happens to Anne and Greg is more important right now than the outcome of the war itself. Who's there? It's just me, Mrs. Carden. Oh, my goodness, Anne. I've been worried to death. I thought for sure you'd been hurt or killed. Oh, no, I stayed at the hospital these past few nights. I should have called. Oh, well, thank heavens you're safe as all. Come on into the parlor and put up your feet. Oh, no, no. Oh, please, come in and sit for a while. It, it's no fun sitting here all by myself. Well, just for a moment, darling. I'll pour you some tea. Oh, but it must be nearly 3 a.m. Isn't there any time of day you English don't have tea? Oh, not that I can think of. Besides, I can't get to sleep till I've had my nightly air in. I get far too nervous and just lie there waiting. <laughs> now, there you are, Thank dear. You. I wonder why they're so long in coming this evening. Dr. Reynolds said there's a storm over the channel. Maybe they won't come tonight. Oh, they'll be here. Don't you worry about that. Don't you worry about that. What's the matter? Nothing. Mrs. Carden, you're crying. What is it? Oh, I... I was just thinking about someone. A boy I knew once. Someone you were in love with? Oh, he died 22 years ago in the Ardian Forest. 22 years? And you're still thinking about him? How terrible. Oh, there are just some feelings. One never gets over, I suppose. Oh, but you must. H how can you live otherwise? People don't remember you. They don't care. Especially the dead. No. You should finish your tea and go to bed. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, really. I shouldn't have said that. What are you going to do? Uh, stay up and wait for the plane. Oh, no. It's only the phone. I'll get it. No, no. Don't. I'm afraid. Why? I cannot let it ring. Hello? Yes, Miss Jesperson there. I'm calling from the hospital. Oh, she's here, but she's exhausted. Is it urgent? Could I speak to her, please? Oh, Anne, it's for you. Who is it? Oh, someone from the hospital. Seems to me they ought to let you get your rest. Should I tell No, no. I'll take it. Hello? Anne. Yes? Who's this? Can you come back to the hospital right away? What's happened? Is it Greg? The airfield at Bournemouth was attacked this evening. Oh. The hospital train just pulled into Victoria Station. We're going to need all the staff on hand. Oh. Oh, thank goodness. I mean... I, I mean, of, of course. I'll be right there. Thank you, Anne. Thank you very much. 
Who is this? Huh? They, they want you back on duty in your condition? Oh, no, no, no. I, I feel fine now. I'll be fine. Oh, no. No, they're not going to attack tonight. Well, you can't go back now. You'll never make it. I have to. They need me. Reynolds. Anne, what are you doing here? I, I came as fast as I could. You're supposed to be off duty. Where are all the new arrivals? What new arrivals? Oh, from the raid on the Bournemouth airfield. There was a raid on Bournemouth? Yes, I, I got a call. We can find out soon enough. Sit down. Hello. Home guard. This is Dr. Reynolds at the Wareham Road Hospital. Was the airfield at Bournemouth attacked this evening? I, I was told a trainload of wounded were at Victoria Station. I see. Has there been a hospital train into Victoria Station in the past hour? None. Well, maybe I didn't hear the station right. Uh, how about Liverpool Station or Charing Cross? Yes. Thanks. Uh, sorry for the disturbance. Anything? No. Bournemouth's been checking in all night. There's been no activity down there at all. But someone called me. They told me to come down to the hospital at once. Someone's idea of a practical joke. I'll have them up on charges. You could have been killed out there. As soon as the all clear sounds, you go on home. As long as I'm here, I'm going in and see if Greg is all right. And I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you. What? Greg? He died shortly after you left. No. Why didn't someone tell me? There wasn't time. Where is he? I want to see him. The body's already been taken to Graves Registration. No. No, you should have called me. You should have let me know. There was nothing you could have done. He was already dead when Mrs. Norris made the rounds. I shouldn't have gone home. You shouldn't have made me go home. He'd have lived as long as I was with him. There never was any real hope that he'd live, Anne. You must have known that. No, I didn't. Why didn't you tell me? I don't know. I couldn't. I'm sorry it was so important to you. Please forgive me. I'd have never... I'd have never... Yes, you would, Anne. You'd have loved him anyway. Yes. Yes. I'd have loved him. Oh, there's the all-clear signal. What time were you due back on duty here? At eight this morning. It's nearly six now. I'll tell Mrs. Norris not to expect you till this afternoon. No. I'll come in when I'm scheduled. It's best if I just keep working. All right. Look, I'm going off now, too, for a few hours. Your flat's in my direction. If you let me, I'll walk you home. Whatever you wish. You're still angry with me, aren't you? It doesn't matter. That's your favorite phrase, isn't it? You stopped using it for a while when Greg was alive. I'm trying not to think about him now. About the fact that I'll never see him again. Doctor, when did Greg die... I mean, what time exactly? About 2.30 this morning. You're sure? Yes, because Mrs. Norris was making the rounds. Why? I don't know. For a moment, I... I had a crazy notion that... 
it was he who called me because he wanted me to come back and see him once before he died. Did you recognize the voice of the man who spoke to you? I thought it sounded familiar, but it was hard to tell. Anyway, it couldn't have been Greg. The call didn't come until after three. He'd been dead nearly an hour by then. Well, this is my corner. I don't think I'll be coming into the hospital again. I understand. I mean, ever. Anne. There's just no use in feeling anything at all. The orphanage taught me that. Anne, everyone you love isn't going to die on you or disappear. What's the matter? Good Lord, look. Mrs. Carden's house. It's gone. Anne? Anne? Oh, I'm Dr. Reynolds. Oh, I'm so happy to see you. Mrs. Carden, what happened? You're all right. Well, I, I just made it to the shelter. You can see for yourself. The Germans scored a direct hit on my house. And you find whoever it was who called you last night and thank him from the bottom of your heart. Because just as sure as I am standing here, he saved your life. Who did call? Who do you think? Not that pilot. He was dead. There wasn't anyone else. All calls went through operators in those days, and the telephone exchange had no record of a call to Mrs. Carden's home that evening. It was Greg, giving her the sign that she needed. I don't believe it. (laughs) Just like your mother. That extraordinary incident was meant to show her how wrong she was to look at the world as a huge orphanage. But she was too special a person not to change eventually. May I ask you a question now? What did become of her? She lived in Detroit for a while. I was born there. And your father? I never knew him. I'm sorry. Mom worked here and there. She was always tired. I think she tired herself out on purpose. Yes, I remember. She was always a hard worker. Anyway, one day she disappeared. You mean she abandoned you? She left me with a friend. I was very young. But why? I don't know. She told the friend she was afraid. It was the friend who told me she'd been in London, and she gave me your name. I'm sorry. From the way you talked, I thought Anne was dead. I... I'm very sorry. There was something very special about Anne. It's too bad things couldn't have turned out better. It's getting late. Wait. You never told me your name. It doesn't matter. That was your mother's pet phrase. Thank you for telling me about her. But won't you stay to dinner? No. I have to go, too. The sins of the parent are visited upon the child. Perhaps the full meaning of that statement, as it applies to our story, will be clearer if we remember that the original definition of the word sin did not apply to merely moral or religious error, but to anything that went against life itself. Anne Jesperson acted as she had been acted upon, despite her best efforts and the efforts of those who wanted to love her. 
I'll return with a final word in a moment. This is Max Moran to tell you about Choice Magazine Listening, a free service for the blind and others with a sight handicap. Six times a year, Choice Magazine Listening brings you, on phonograph records, eight hours of selections from leading publications featuring writers like Kurt Vonnegut, Lillian... He died shortly after you left. No. Why didn't someone tell me? There wasn't time. Where is he? I want... He'd me go home... He'd have lived as long as I was with him. There never was any real hope that he'd live, Anne. You must have known that. No, I didn't. Why didn't you tell me? I don't know. I couldn't. I'm sorry it was so... To see him. The body's already been taken to Graves' registration. No. No. You should have called me. You should have let me know. There was nothing you could have done. He was already dead when Mrs. Norris made the rounds. I shouldn't have gone home. You shouldn't have met... Important to you. Please forgive me. I'd have never... I'd have never... Yes, you would, Anne. You'd have loved him anyway. Yes. Yes. I... We are highly susceptible to influence and suggestion. The mystery is not that people like Anne Jesperson fail, but that so many of the rest of us succeed... For we are all pilgrim souls. Our cast included Carol Titel, Gordon Heath, Bryna Rayburn, and Gordon Gould. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. It could be the old Griff, Dad. Huh? The old shell game. Three-card Monty. Only we're being played for the sucker. Hey, hey, I never thought of that. That guy seemed awfully anxious to have me save that warrant. I'm glad you waited, Big Bill. I'm sorry about this. Did you call Washington, Jack? I did. My friend just called me back. It's no con, no swindle. You mean Sir Zafarula is on the level? Well, the Indian Embassy does have a Sir Zafarula Mohmed on the staff. He's not in Washington right now. They say he went south for the winter. What about the diamond in his turban? Yep. What do you mean, yep, Jack? I mean, that guy does wear a diamond in his hat. A turban. The secretary at the embassy said he was quite sure about that. Everyone in Washington knows it. Well, there's one thing we know they don't know in Washington. What's that? Sir Zafrula isn't wearing a diamond anymore. Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.